This is the Holland Assets Podcast, where we show you how to start and run your own trucking company. Ever wanted to go out on your own? Follow Chris as he goes through the highs and lows of running on his own authority. Welcome, everybody, to the Holland Assets Podcast. This is episode 34. I am Craig, and with me across time and space, well, just space, really, is Chris. How you doing, Chris? I'm well. How about you, Craig? Not too bad. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is, yeah, this is our first recording of the, the year, isn't it? That's right. And, you know, normally I don't like to date a podcast like that, you know, because we want them to be kind of evergreen, but it is going to be important that we mention that it's the new year because today we're talking about annual planning and its importance in running any business really, but in this case in uh, starting your own trucking company. So uh, we will get to that in just a moment, but I do want to remind everybody for full show notes and uh, other materials, you can go to hollandassetsllc.com. If we're talking about tools and tips, you know, things that we talk about like that on the show, uh, then you can go to MotorCarrierHQ.com for those. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, etc. All right, Chris, got to ask you, how's life out on the road these days? Um, It's been pretty good. Things have been a lot smoother now that the truck's been out on the road and fixed and repaired. And uh, knock on wood, it's been going pretty well ever since the rebuild. Very nice. Uh, so, well, yeah, exactly. Knock on wood. Um, any, <laughs> nothing, nothing's happened with the truck, but any other stories to share from the road? Yeah, I got, uh, my first, uh, random DOT inspection when I, when I drove across the scale, Ooh. uh, just a little bit ago, which actually it's kind of funny because it didn't turn out to actually be quite so random. Oh, really? The guy told me, yeah, he, he like the second I walk, he, you know, I, I drive across the scale and as soon as my front axles, which are fine weight wise, hit the scale um the guy comes over the intercom and says driver bring in all your paperwork you know pull around park bring in all your paperwork so um the second i walk in the building he's the only guy on duty this is in nebraska and he said i'm pulling you in for just a random dot inspection do a level three which is just you know your driver paperwork hours of service logs all that kind of stuff and uh yeah, go go through the whole kit and caboodle. Nice. And how'd it go? Or I, uh, I first I gotta say, why wasn't it random? <laughs> it's kind of funny because so we go through the whole inspection. Everything turns out good. Um, I, I no issues. I, I had all the paperwork. We got to talk at, at, when we're done a little bit about everything that he asked for because he asked for some things that kind of surprised me a little bit. But after we get all done, he's just kind of wrapping things up in BS and he's all like, well, you know, I, I really just called you in because I like the name of your trucking company and I'm, I'm kind of surprised Utah even approved that name. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's like, I have to get a certain number of inspections anyway. And I liked your company name. And so I uh, decided to pull you in. So wait, wait, uh, so as a compliment, he decided to inconvenience you with an inspection. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what? In in the, the reality of things, it, it was a good thing because I, the good inspections are actually good for your compliance scores, your CSA scores. 
and it ended up being a good inspection and I wasn't really in a rush that day. I was kind of on a, on a load that I had a little bit of extra time on. So, um, it, it was actually, it, it, it was a good thing. It, it didn't make me too mad. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny though. Um, it's a bit like, uh, that thing about how you don't buy the red car because the cops are going to pull that over. <laughs> uh, I guess don't name your trucking company something unique because yeah, they're going to pull you in to get you inspect you yeah exactly exactly just call it like uh, green light trucking or whatever i don't know uh <laughs> all right chris that's probably gonna get you called in even more what? green light trucking don't I, I we don't endorse that that's funny <laughs> <laughs> okay so tell me about what they asked you chris so you when you get called in you know they're gonna ask you know kind of like when you get pulled over by a cop they're gonna want to see your driver's license your vehicle registration your safety inspection um, and, and your logbook, but they also had me bring in some things that I wasn't expecting was they wanted to see your ELD manual so that the instruction manual, basically on how to use the ELD, they wanted a, a paper copy of logs in case the ELD breaks down and I have to revert to paper logs. Um, wasn't, uh, wasn't really inspecting that. And, um, so, you know, make sure you've got all that stuff with you because you know you chances are you have an inspection like that they're going to ask for it the other thing that was kind of interesting with the inspection is once everything was done um i asked them what's the most common thing that you get guys for as far as hours of service violations go and he says it's usually guys that are using personal conveyance incorrectly and I, you know, I, I use personal conveyance a, a, a decent amount. I don't like use it every day, but I'll, I'll use it several times a week typically. And so I asked them specifically about my case. You know, one of the most common reasons I use it is because I, I think we've talked about this in the past. I typically like to stop and spend the night at like a rest area or something that's a little bit more off the beaten path, not so much at a truck stop, just because truck stops are noisy and crazy and, you know, life's a little bit uh, more low key. And I, I tend to sleep a little bit better at a rest stop. So I said, but sometimes I'll sleep at the rest stop, stop and then wake up and want to go like take a shower at the closest truck stop or grab something to eat at the truck stop. And you know, I'll, I'll drive 10 or 20 miles to do that. And he said, yeah, that's fine. It's just, it's when guys are like trying to advance the load and, you know, drive for a full day, um, put it on personal conveyance and then drive 50 miles and go past, 15 restaurants along the way where there's truck parking and just say they're going to eat food. He said, that's, that's when you, you're going to get in trouble using personal conveyance. Interesting. Interesting. But any, anything else notable from that stop that you want to talk about? No, I, I just, I, I, uh, my, my brother's my business partner. And when I got the good inspection, I asked for a raise, but he was kind of a prick and said he wouldn't do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> don't worry. I'll beat that out. <laughs> no, I don't want you to beat that out. I want him to know what I think. <laughs> All right. Don't you dare beep that out. I, okay, fine, fine. You're the boss. There uh, will be no raises in the future for you if you beat that out. <laughs> Uh, okay, Chris, let's talk about, <laughs> man, it's going to be hard to get off of that. So I'm just not even going to try to smoothly transition. Let's talk about <laughs> annual planning. Um, and then we'll talk about my pay some other time. Um, okay. We'll put, we'll put that discussion in the bloopers at the end. <laughs> uh, okay. So annual planning is the topic of discussion for today because it is the start of 2020. 
and uh, this is as good a time as any. You know, you could, I suppose, plan for the next 12 months at any time, but hey, you know, hey, it makes a lot of sense to do it around the new year, and so that's when we wanted to talk about it. Um, and uh, yeah, get, get, tee this one up for me a little bit, Chris. Let me know what we're going to be talking about. So yeah, annual planning and and now, you know, the beginning of the year is usually a good time to talk about it. But in reality, I actually kind of start the whole process a little bit earlier on in the year, like um, early to mid-November, um, just to kind of get the ball rolling. So I, I really kind of and am able to enact the plan and kind of get it started and really be diving into it around the beginning of the year. Yeah. But the whole reason I, I want to talk about this is because this is probably one of the most neglected pieces that I see from most small business owners, but it's one of the things that can really be the most impactful on your business. And I've, and I've kind of seen the whole gamut throughout my career and through me owning my businesses early on when I first started my businesses, I didn't do any annual planning. I just, you know, I was kind of one of those guys who thought, you know what, it's really not that necessary. I figure if I just, if I work really hard, um, everything's going to be okay. Just that hard work's all I need to do. I work hard and, and, and it'll be good. But it doesn't always work out that way. It, it doesn't always work out that way. You, you know, you kind of hear the, the sports cliches, you know, something like along the lines of, you know, practice harder, but you know, if you're practicing the wrong things, it's not going to get you where you need to be. You need to, it's perfect practice or oh, some, yeah, sure. say something like that. And, and that's kind of the same way that it goes with planning is, that planning helps you focus on the things that are going to be the most impactful and important things to your business. And so, you know, it, it takes you from being, you know, having a good business or a decent business and it just elevates whatever level you're at. If you do planning versus not doing planning, actually doing it is going to just take your business to, to that next level. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so today in order to, kind of illustrate this we actually brought in a third voice we haven't done this in a while i kind of feel like uh, it's, it's been a while since we had somebody interview on the show um but we brought in uh, unfortunately a very confusing guest in that his name is also chris um so tell us a little bit about chris and let's cue this up yeah there's way too many of us out there it makes things right <laughs> Like my best friend growing up was Chris. I've got, you know, business partner, Chris, there's, there's Chris's everywhere and it just messes things up. But yeah, so Chris Abel and I, um, working together for a long, a long time. But the reason I, um, wanted to interview him is because kind of an experience that we had several years ago, um, with, uh, our factoring company that we have together, I thrive funding we we've been doing annual planning for a couple of years already and we were just uh, uh, several couple of years ago starting the process and chris went on this just terrific rant about how we've got to be focused and we've got to um, do a little bit better job of of really um, categorizing our goals and setting the right goals and it was it was actually a, a really good rant with some really good information so I kind of want to bring him in and, and we're going to do an interview with him and play that next. That is kind of a, a version of that rant that he went on, because I think it's really important because it really talks about the fundamentals of kind of this annual planning and the process that we've put in place that I think is a really good, successful um, process. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's done wonders for our business. Want to be able to share that with everybody and, and hopefully they can find it helpful and implement it and, uh, 
find some uh, good success from it. Absolutely. Well, we are doing one thing a little bit differently, and that's usually you're the one who interviews these people. But in this case, I went and did this. Uh, so why don't we give that interview with Chris a listen? So Chris, welcome. Introduce yourself. Uh, great. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Uh, my name is Chris Abel. I'm with iThrive Funding. Chris Vernon and I have been friends and, and known each other for about 15 years. We worked together at, or at Flying J. Um, and now we're business partners at iThrive Funding. At iThrive Funding, if uh, eagle-eared listeners are paying attention, iThrive, uh, we've mentioned it several times on the show, That's it's a factoring company uh, that Chris has an interest in. Uh, uh, sorry, Chris Vernon, our regular Chris, has an interest in as well. So you guys have been working together there for a while. Correct, uh, yes. That's great, that's great. So uh, we're here today to talk about planning because, hey, it's January. This is a good time to talk about an annual plan because there's all sorts of plans that people can have. What am I going to do today? What am I going to do this week? Uh, what, you know, we have monthly goals that we've talked about on this podcast quite a few times. But uh, let's talk about annual planning. Why do we care to forecast out that far? I think it's all about creating direct direction. And and what I think I see with a lot of businesses is they fail when they when they're not planned out. When they don't have perspective of where they're going or what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Now that being said, one of the common things that I hear it, it's a uh, a common refrain among, especially among the religious, right? We make plans and God laughs, right? You've <laughs> That's heard right. This. <laughs> That's so, right. So what, why bother if everything is going to change anyway throughout the year? You're talking about having a direction, but you know, your direction could change anyway. So why plan? Yeah. You know, there's nothing certain in life and, and certainly in business, right? And so things will change. Um, but I think that process of, of having a direction that you're heading um, is very important. And, and there's no doubt that there will come times when you'll have to modify goals. But even the exercise of actually revisiting your goals and saying things didn't go quite the way I planned, time to reset and, and redirect, uh, that's a healthy part of, uh, of directing your business and being a business owner. Right. No, absolutely. And now, before you came over, Chris was telling me a little bit in preparation. He was telling me about your philosophy a bit. He said, you guys have a process that you follow when you're doing your annual planning uh, for iThrive and that it starts with coming up with some initiatives. He used the word initiatives. What does that even mean? What is an initiative? Yeah, absolutely. So an initiative is a big ticket uh, goal or a big big picture item, right? This is a big process improvement or something big that we want to accomplish, but it isn't necessarily the specifics of how we're going to accomplish it. It's just the big picture. Um, uh, and that's that's kind of what initiative is. Kind of like a strategy versus tactics, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. you're not, not necessarily getting into how we're going to accomplish the thing. You're just talking about what is the thing that we want to accomplish? A absolutely. Like an example in, in trucking might be that you want to increase your rate per mile. Um, that That's not specifically saying how you're going to accomplish right. that, right? But that is the initiative or that's the goal. Okay, so how many of those would you take on in a year? You know, as 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 in our business, we try to be very focused, and and so we'll typically shoot for two to three. Um, I think you can die the death of a thousand paper cuts if you have so many goals that uh, you, you can't keep track of them and you can't really execute on them. So try to be concise. Uh, two to three, I think, is is the right amount. Okay. All right. So you've got two or three uh, initiatives, these kind of grand plan type things, but eventually you are going to have to figure out how to do them, right? So that's the start. But what's the next step? How do you begin the process of uh, realizing those goals. Yeah, so once you've kind of identified two to three initiatives, then we look to set two to three deliverables, or these really become your goals, right? The, these are the base level goals that are going to help you accomplish that initiative. Um, and so, you know, I use the example of improving your rate 
uh, per mile. And and so, something that might fall under uh, deliverable there would be that you're going to look to find a relationship with a direct shipper, um, or you're going to analyze lanes that you're regularly hauling on and identify where you're getting the, the best rate uh, per mile. And, and, and then those are kind of the individual deliverables that are going to help you accomplish accomplish the initiative initiative of increase improving your rate per mile okay i got you all right so i feel like that's a pretty good example improving your rate per mile but frankly i could make a goal about anything right i want to consume a certain a minimum number of peanut m&ms if i'm uh, chris vernon i want to consume a minimum yeah, number right. of peanut m&ms per trip uh okay maybe that's not going to help my business that much so <laughs> my question here is how do you know if a goal is effective if it's worthwhile or if not? Yeah, you know, um, many people have probably heard this, but there's an acronym SMART um, that is used in goal setting. And, and SMART, each letter of, of the word SMART stands for a characteristic of an effective goal. So if you take the S, for example, that would be a specific goal, right? S stands for specific. And so this is... So 450 peanut m and That's very specific. Per trip. Yeah, that's exactly, that's very specific, right? And and going directly from that, M is measurable, right? And you can measure how many M&Ms you ate, correct? Absolutely. Um, we're going to get get to a point where this won't actually fit here oh, shortly. Um, is it attainable to eat that many? A is attainable. So is it attainable to eat that many M&Ms? <laughs> we're still there. We're good. Um, so A is attainable. It's something that you can accomplish, right? Um, if you said eat 4 million M&Ms, it's probably not, not attainable. Chris Vernon, maybe, yeah, okay. but anyone else, probably not. Um but the next one, the R stands for relevant. And this is not relevant to your business, right? It, it, the number of M&Ms you eat has no impact on your success, on achieving the goals of, of, of starting a business or, or anything relevant to it. So um, a goal needs to be relevant and matter. Um, and then the T stands for time-based. So there has to be a time limit on it. When do you expect to accomplish this? Um, uh, and that time-based uh, it's important just because you need to know, you need to set an expectation for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so give me the acronym again, just one by one. Let's go yeah, through it you again. got it. So it's SMART. Um, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-based. Okay. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. Do you see that? I memorized that yeah. so quick. It's quick. It's easy. If only Chris Vernon understood just how smart I am. <laughs> That's uh, right. Okay. That's right. <laughs> right. So uh, after you have determined what you want to do and you've determined uh, kind of that that specific goal that you're talking about the smart goal uh what do you do next what's your next step well i think it's important at this point to set up um a way to hold yourself accountable um you know we've all had the experience where we set a goal and kind of never look back never hold ourselves accountable and obviously the goal is not achieved um accountability is an important uh part of this so i would say find a way um, that you can be accountable to someone um, and, and find somebody to hold yourself uh, accountable for, your, for the progress in your goals. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I can see how, uh, how would you do that if you have a business partner. You know, you and Chris can hold each other accountable. Uh, but what if you're a single owner-operator? You've got nobody else you're answering to. It's just you and the open road. Yeah, the open road ain't gonna hold you accountable. That's true. That's true. So, so how does somebody do that in that situation? Yeah, you know that's that's a really great question. I, you know, I think finding anyone that has the ability to to kind of work with you and, and hold you accountable. Maybe that's a a family member. Um, maybe that's a friend or a spouse. Um, maybe it's another business owner, somebody else that you know in the industry that you can you know talk about goals together with. If, if you know another uh, you know another owner operator out there, maybe it's good to kind of talk about your goals together and and 
that way they can hold you accountable. Yeah, absolutely. My brothers actually did this for a while. One of my brothers had a goal in mind, and then the other brother said, I'll help you out with that. And, and the first one said, how? How are you going to do that? And he said, oh, I'm not going to do anything, but you're going to call me every night and tell me what you did to achieve that goal. Yeah. Um, and that was and that was it. Yeah. yeah. All it was. And so it's kind of that shame factor in a way where you had to, he had to call and either say, yep, I did something or no, I didn't. Yeah. You know, it, you look at a lot of um, programs in the world that are successful. I, Weight Watchers comes to my mind because yeah. there's this accountability feature, right? People set goals. The fact that they have to show up and actually be accountable for them makes you think twice about what you're eating and yep. and uh, the exercise you're doing, those type of things. And Absolutely. so it's no different with business goals. If you're accountable, if you have somebody to report to, you're going to think twice about it and, and the decisions you make are going to be driven um, to, you know, to achieve those goals. Yeah. So do you feel like this has been an effective method for you? Any illustrations you want to share about how this has gone for you specifically? Yeah. You know, um, for me, um, in business, we've had great success with this. Uh, at iThrive, we've seen uh, many years of, um, you know, double digit growth and, and really even years of 100% growth year over year as we, as we kind of work through our startup years. Um, and it, a lot of it was centered on the goals that we made, um, whether it related to sales growth, number of applications that we brought in, things like that, right, that we focused on um, specific deliverables that would then get us to the growth numbers we wanted to get. Uh, on a personal level, you know, I think we all have the uh, exercise and fitness goals and, and uh, my wife is, is great at holding me accountable. And so, um, you know, I have that accountability factor. I set my goals and, and she'll hold me accountable. And I, I've seen success in that, uh, you know, over the last uh, five or so years, I've lost a significant amount of weight and, and that's been a, you know, a benefit to me. So very nice. Yeah, I uh, I can't claim the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to keep it off and, uh, you there know, I've still that. got more to go, but yeah. Excellent. Well, Chris Abel, thank you so much for walking us through this. I appreciate you taking a few minutes. Any parting thoughts? Just, I, I really like this time of year. New, the new year is, it's a great time. Goals, it's, it's good to have that kind of fresh reset, whether you're starting your business now or you've been running for a while. It's good to pause and look forward to what you want to achieve. And then, and then go chase your dreams. I mean, that's, it's a new year. It's a, it's a new opportunity. Go chase your dreams. Excellent. Well, Chris Abel from iThrive Funding, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll go chat with Chris Vernon again now. All right, Chris, how was that? How, how'd you like that discussion? I, I thought it was really good, except for the M&M piece. You know, I, I think people are going to start to get confused and think that M&Ms are sponsoring um, this podcast because we talk about them so many, so much. I, I'm going to go ahead, you know, just speaking for both of us, I feel comfortable doing this. I'm going to speak directly to the people at Mars and say, if you're looking for any brand ambassadors, we are there for you. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably the world's biggest peanut M&M fan. So yeah, I, I probably would make a decent brand ambassador. Uh, <laughs> aside from that though, Chris. Aside from that, um, you know, I, 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 I thought Chris um, explained that beautifully. You know, he kind of talked about it on a broad basis and we're going to kind of dial it in now and, and talk about more specifics, especially to the trucking industry. Um, but one thing I kind of want to get um, right off the bat that I, that I think is kind of, um, you know, Chris talked about or you talked about a um, religious reference to planning. Well, I want to give a, for my non-religious friends, a military one. So uh, you hear this in the military all the time that um, when it comes to a plan, the enemy has a say in the plan too. And as soon as the bullets start to fly, the plan changes. 
And in reality, that's kind of the same way in business. I mean, you've got enemies in business, you know, vehicle breakdowns like I just had, um, you know, bad brokers. I mean, there's a, a ton of things out there that can kind of um, hamper your plan and put, you know, either a damper on it or, or really force you to change it. But the reality is it doesn't negate the need to plan, even though plans are always going to change and you're going to have to adapt and adjust them. When one of those, you know, enemies runs into your business and causes havoc, how you react to that is going to be vastly different because you have a plan and you, your reaction typically is going to be way better because you've planned. Even though that plan deviates, the result of that deviation and that uh, you know, running into that enemy or that challenge or whatever it is that you face is going to be a lot better if you've done the planning. Right. That makes sense. So tell me if this makes sense to you. We've got a plan. You know, We want to accomplish X or X, Y, and Z this year. Uh, but in the military, you talk about contingency plans, right? Uh, is that something that you do in business as well? Uh, knowing that things aren't going to go necessarily the way that you exactly envision. And, you know, here's here are, you know, kind of like wargaming out. Here's how we might deal with that contingency. Yeah, absolutely. And we actually even talked a little bit about that in the podcast when we we talked about my truck breakdown of, you know, having a contingency plan, if that happens, you know, how are you going to um, account for a re- reduction in your personal income? You know, how are you going to um, adapt to not having a truck out on the road? Are you going to rent a truck? Are you going to go get a job and work for somebody else for a little while? Those are all contingency plans. And, and, and even in planning, you know, another thing that's really common in the military are courses of action. So you've got a plan where you, you, you and you're in the process of developing the plan really kind of early on in it. And you're, you're, you're talking about maybe two or three different courses of action. We're either going to do a B or C and you kind of game plan those out and, and try to decide, you know, what happens if we do go course of action one versus two versus three. And then you, based on, you know, a war game scenario, you, you pick the one that you think is going to end up having the best result. And yeah, you can absolutely do that in business as well. Yeah, that's great. So let's talk then about uh, kind of applying the principles that, uh, what do we want to call them? Chris A? Chris number two? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the other Chris, Chris talked a, about. Chris, the other Chris. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a movie title, The Other Chris. Um, so he, like you said, he kind of talked about it in generalities. Uh, but now let's apply it to what you're out on the road doing. Do you want to talk about uh, the initiatives? Because that's what we were talking about in that conversation, the initiatives that you have for Holland Assets this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm just going to stick with two initiatives. And the initiatives are actually kind of related. You could almost do it in one, but I, I decided to kind of break it out into two because there is some differences between the two. There are differences. Um, but I, I think the reason, like, you, you kind of think, well, why should I only have two or three goals or two or three initiatives? And the reason is, is I feel like is because I would rather drastically improve two or three of the things that are going to have the biggest impact on my business than spread myself so thin under uh, across five or 10 different initiatives or goals that you're just not going to do any of them very well. So you, you just, you hyper-focus on those two to three things. And, and with I Thrive Funding as, as, as our example, there's three of us business partners that work in that business all the time. And we still usually only do around three initiatives 
maybe maybe four, sometimes five, but that's five initiatives spread across three different people at the most. And uh, that way you, you're, you're really able to work on those things and, and, and get them work, worked out really, really well. Yeah. Okay. So what are, what's the first initiative that you've got that you want to talk about? The first one is to increase my rate per mile. Okay. Seems simple enough. Yeah. And, and, and I've kind of got, so we talked about the initiative, so that's the initiative, but then we've also got, um, deliverables. So I've kind of decided on two deliverables in that increased my, my rate per mile. Um, the, when, when I travel from Utah, typically when I head east, I can find really good paying loads with brokers. So I you know, go out east with a really good rate, but then the freight coming back, heading west again, turns out to be typically kind of crappy. So I think what's going to be the most impactful to me is if I can build a direct relationship either with a broker who regularly ships back to Utah or even better yet, a shipper that ships back to Utah. So like take, for example, um, I, I could find a guy down in Dallas that, that regularly ships to Utah. You know, I can, I can find a decent paying load down to Dallas. And then if I can get that direct um, sh- relationship so that that backhaul, which typically pays crappy, pays a lot better, then that's going to overall increase my rate per mile. I think more significantly than trying to find a shipper that, you know, regularly ships out of Utah. So that's going to be my first um, directive is to find that, uh, um, you know, I I actually want to find a broker and a shipper. So I want to find that broker by the end of March. That's kind of my timeframe for it. And then the shipper by the end of May. And with the shipper, you kind of have to be a little bit sensitive because like if I haul a load for a broker from shipper X, you know, typically your broker agreement isn't going to allow you to directly solicit from that shipper. You can get yourself into a lot of trouble by doing that. Um, you can get sued by the broker. They don't mm. want you still in, still in their business. And so, um, but usually they can only really enforce that for a year. Every state's law is a little bit different, but usually after a year, it's a little bit harder to, uh, for them to enforce that. So I, you know, a- after I've been in business for a year, which will happen in April, um, if I want to, I can go start probably soliciting some of those guys, um, later on down the, you know, that, that I, that I hauled for early on in, uh, in the, the, when we first started hauling assets. So you keep track of all of these people that you've worked with, even if it's just one time or, or is it, yep. um, okay. So every single one goes into the log, huh? Every single one of them I've kept track of. Yeah. And, and if you remember early on, I, I kind of shared a spreadsheet that I tracked that stuff down on so you can see who the broker is. Actually, I didn't, I didn't put the shipper on that, but I've kept all the bill of ladings, um, all the rate confirmations. So I, I know what facility they've come out of. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So any other tactics on this, uh, increasing your rate per mile? Yeah. The other thing I want to do is I want to get a little bit better understanding of my routes and, and which ones pay the most. So you, again, you take, for example, you know, I've, I've hauled that down to Dallas, Fort Worth area, or down to Houston and back. Um, several times I've, I, I've done a lot of up in, uh, um, Portland, Oregon, or, 
the Seattle, Washington area and back quite a bit. And then another fairly common lane for me is Utah out to like Indiana or Ohio, kind of that Midwest region. And I'm going to analyze each one of those routes and try to figure out which one consistently pays a little bit better and then maybe put some more focus into that and prioritize um, those routes so that I, I'm, I'm running the ones that, that seem to pay the most. So that you're getting as much cost per mile, rate per mile out of both directions is what you're saying? Yep. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Okay. So let's go to goal number two then, or I should say initiative number two. Yeah. And the initiative number two is, is really, like I said, they're kind of related. It's just plain increasing revenue. And the biggest way that I want to do that is really is to hire a driver. Um, you know, I, I've kind of said all along with uh, this Holland assets, I'm only going to drive for no more than a year. Um, I kind of made that, that compromise with my wife. So that year is coming up quick. It's going to come up in April. So not too far, far down the road. My goal is to have the driver hired by the end of March. But my plan is, is, you know, in, in, in my situation, I'm only able to keep that truck running. You know, typically I, I'm out on the road about 20 days a month. If I hire a driver and I'm going to really focus in the state of Utah because I want somebody here local to me so that when they take their time off, I can go do a, you know, a really quick run. You know, maybe they're going to take a week vacation. Um, I'll take a run somewhere for a week or they're going to be off for three days. I'll go take a run up to, you know, I can usually do that Portland, Oregon and back in, in three days. So that we can essentially almost keep that truck moving full time. We'll kind of work a, a little bit team wise that way, um, so that the truck's just not parked somewhere and and sitting. And that, you know, those extra five ten days at the end of the month, most of that just all goes towards profit. It keeps that truck running way more efficiently because um, your fixed costs are covered early on in in that revenue that you earn. And so those extra five or 10 days that you're able to keep that truck running in a month, that your fixed cost is already covered so that you're just, you increase your profit margins a lot when you're keeping that truck running all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's almost kind of counterintuitive, the idea of hiring, hiring a driver, meaning increasing your revenue because I, well, I guess maybe I'm thinking of profit, but it just seems like, well, that's an extra expense, right? You got to pay somebody to drive now. It is. And I'm, I'm in a little bit more unique situation than probably most owner operators are. It'll make the business way more profitable. But if I were an owner operator and I'm paying myself as a driver and getting the, you know, some of the net profits from the company, um, I, I would be taking a hit because that driver is going to get paid now more than I would but that that with me that's okay so cuz cuz i you know i've got my other businesses that i that i make money off of too i'm i'm not going to starve if my driver pay decreases by by 80%. a lot of guys aren't going to be in that situation but that's okay because I, I, this this podcast still becomes is is incredibly relevant because at some point a lot of these guys are going to want to transition out of the truck and and you know, whether they do that once they've got three or four trucks on the road or they do it when they've got one truck, like I'm going to do, the process is real, is still relatively the same. And so they'll be able to learn by, you know, watching me do this and, and see, uh, see how they can do it 
when the timing's right for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned you wanted to get uh, get out of the truck by about April, which is when you started driving last year. Um, and so you're probably going to want to get somebody hired by the uh, beginning of spring or so. Yeah, no later than the end of March, obviously, is when I need to have them hired if I want to be out of the truck by then. And and I may, you know, if I find the right person, um, I, I'd probably pull the trigger today. So, you know, if there's anybody out there, especially if you're from Utah and, and are interested in uh, in working with me and, and driving for me, um, and, and you know, I, I want to be able to mentor some of these guys too. And if they want to become owner-operators at some point in the future, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kind of help them through that process and educate them and, and show them kind of what I do. They can see even a little bit more intimately in, in, into my brain. Um, I, I think it could be really a win-win situation for uh, anybody. So if anybody's out there that's interested, shoot me an email, chris at hollandassetsllc.com, and uh, let's talk. Wouldn't that be cool if uh, if you found your driver from your listeners? That'd be great. Uh, yeah. yeah I hope be. we hear from somebody. Um, okay, so one of the things that the other Chris talked about was accountability. So you've got your, you've got your initiatives, you've got your tactics, the way you're going to reach those. Um, but then one of the things he talked about was being accountable, which is sometimes difficult if you're just an owner operator by yourself out there on the road. Uh, Chris, you've got a lot of people, a lot of support structure around you uh, with all of your your business partners and friends and family and all that. What are you going to do uh, in order to stay uh, accountable for all of these things. Um, I'm going to, that, that, the prick that I was talking about, my brother, that's the jerk that won't give me the raise. He, yeah. the slave driver. Yeah. He's going to be the one that holds me accountable. All so, right. uh, you know, we're, we're business partners in this business and, uh, yeah. So he, he's going to be the guy that cracks the whip and make sure I, I stick to my timetables and, and do what I'm supposed to do. Well, I think you've called him enough names enough times now that uh, he is going to do that. <laughs> he, you know, he he keeps saying on the podcast that I need to have a little bit more personality and 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 do more <laughs> jokes. And so, as long as the jokes are at his expense and he's okay with that, then uh, kind of a, we'll keep doing it. Is be careful what you ask for, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. I, I refuse to call him names because I think he's the one who signs my checks. So he is the guy that signs the checks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. So, Chris, one last question for you. Uh, there was kind of a glaring omission that I noticed as you were going through these two uh, initiatives, and that is the thing that I make the most fun of you for, uh, which, you know, okay, fine, I know it's valuable, but it's still fun to make fun of you, and that's savings, right? You always talk about savings and the importance of savings. I noticed you did not say anything about increasing your savings, even after that three weeks off the road disaster with the, uh, the rebuild on your engine. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Cause I, you know, that's one of the things I thought a little bit about, but I feel like we've already got the process in place to, to that savings mechanism. You know, I've, I've kind of got my formulas that we've talked about that determine how much I put aside each month. And I, I really feel like that savings is one of those things that's a little bit on autopilot and it will work, especially, and it'll work even better as those other two initiatives are are met as we increase revenue and we increase our rate per mile, that's just going to increase my ability to save more money. So in a roundabout way, that kind of is an initiative this year to increase savings, but that's going to happen because of those other two, those two initiatives that we're, we're really focusing on this year. Interesting. So when we're talking about how to identify a good initiative and, and the other Chris kind of talked about that a little bit, 
when we're trying to identify that, if you can, it's almost like looking for a core value or a, you know, a base value or something where you, yeah, you want to increase savings. And then it's like, how are you going to do that? Well, by making more money. Okay. How are you going to do that? And that's how you find those initiatives. Is that fair? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely fair for sure. Okay. Very good. All right, Chris. Well, I feel like we've kind of, uh, between the two Chris's, we've got this subject beaten pretty well to death. What do you think? I think we 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 do just kind of kind of to summarize, you know, you've got those initiatives. You just want two or three of them at the most, and then each one of those initiatives is going to have a handful of um, deliverables, probably two or three deliverables of each, and that's kind of where you you know you kind of get into the weeds a little bit. So you take, for example, like on the uh, um, increase rate per mile. One of my deliverables is to get that relationship with the broker or shipper. And you can even break that down even further and say, okay, um, in, by the end of January, I'm going to have called 50 different brokers and 50 different shippers to try to, or make contact with 50 of, of each to start those relationships and, and, and really get that going. So you can kind of break that down as much as you want to. In the military, we like to call that backwards planning. You, you know what you want at the end of the day, which is to increase our rate per mile. Well, to increase my rate per mile, I need to get that relationship with the shipper. To get that relationship with the shipper, I need to call this many shippers in this amount of time. And so you just kind of you, you dial it in like that to, to the very specific goals, like, like Chris was talking about, those SMART goals. And uh, that's really what's going to make you successful when you do that kind of stuff. You give yourself purpose, you give yourself direction, and uh, that's that's really a recipe for success. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what, this is one of our longer episodes, Chris, but it's uh, not on accident necessarily, or I guess it's uh, with a good purpose. And that's this is a really important topic. I hope people have listened to the whole thing and that they take some of this to heart or all of it, really, right? Absolutely. I, I cannot overstate how important annual planning is it, it it can seem kind of tedious and and some people might feel like it's pointless but it truly is one of those things that's a big differentiator between the guys who just putter along and the guys who are ultra successful ultra yeah. successful people always plan there you go let's leave it there chris i will just uh, remind everybody hollandassetsllc.com motorcarrierhq.com find us on facebook and uh, let us know what you think of these episodes and if you want to drive for the company that'd be great would love to hear from you in any of those places so how are we feeling chris we good to go for today i think that's a wrap all right we will see you all next week have a good week